Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listeners, let's talk about sex. S-E-X, baby, you and me, on me going down. Now, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. If you want that, listen up right now. BlueChew.com is here, and it's ready to save your game in the bedroom. That's blue like the color, Chew.com. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. The performance is perfect. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever opportunity arises. And buddy, let me tell you, opportunity will arise at any moment's notice. Just last week I was at the bar talking to this girl. She had these nice long legs, and you know, I kind of thought maybe this could lead somewhere. Luckily, I had a blue chew in my pocket, performed like a stallion all night, went three, maybe four hours. I didn't time myself, but it was right around that mark. Ended up just being a sweaty mess, but thank you to blue chew for keeping me lasting all night. I, I came a couple times, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first free shipment free. When you use our special promo code armchair, just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code armchair, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Boys, it's Jeremy W. Miller. Neil the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists. Oh, 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 oh the block. chicken! Double time! Miles Turner! Yeah! Welcome to the NBA, my friend! Turner sets the screen. Oh, Whoa. Deep oh no! With oh, the no. Right hand. Don't let him throw it down like that! Victor, on the deep phone! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod Podcast. Welcome to episode 70 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name's Chris Cook, and with me as always, my co-host Eric Hawk. Hawk, a week has passed since we last recorded. Thanksgiving just happened. How was your long weekend uh, over the Thanksgiving break? It was good. I mean, you saw me uh, shopping at Meijer. I did. So... You know as well as anyone that I, I enjoy a deal, so I was out looking. Didn't buy much, but I, you know I did get some Christmas shopping done online. So very good, very good. Yeah, I ended up um, I bought a new TV stand that day. I wasn't going to buy anything, but this it had like an electric fireplace, so I had to get it. So it's a tall TV stand with an electric fireplace. You plug that bad boy in, it produces heat and a nice little fireplace image. So. Took about f- five hours to uh, put together, but uh, it was a pain in the ass. But now that it's up, it's it's worth it. I like it a lot. So 
set the mood. Yeah, exactly. So, um, anyways, that wasn't the only thing that happened over the break. I think that you have some big news to share with our listeners uh, here today. So why don't you go ahead and do that? Yeah, I got in a relationship with a girl. <laughs> So she's a pretty great chick. We've been hanging out, and we're in a relationship now. So, so yeah, there, what else to say. there it is. Big news dropped. Yeah. Um, she's great. Not only do you get sports breaking news from this podcast, but our personal lives as well. Yeah. So, all right, that's uh, congratulations. Like uh, everybody else, I found out on Facebook. So um, maybe yeah, I, tricked my, I tricked a girl into liking me. So yeah. So pretty good. All right. Um, now let's get into it. Uh, just like we've done the latest episodes, we're going to start with all things Pacers. Um, usually we talk about the Colts, but there's not much that I like to talk about with them at this point in time. So if you do want to throw in some Colts things, go ahead. But I don't really want to yeah. talk about those jackasses. Yes. Yep. Um, so and then we'll finish it up with around the association and then a little fun game at the end that's included around the association. But anyways, uh, since we last spoke... Uh, last Tuesday, when the podcast came out, the Pacers have played five games. In those five games, they are 4-1, and one, um, and their only loss came against the Philadelphia 76ers, only losing by three in Philadelphia on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, the Pacers have beaten the Jazz, the Hawks, Grizzlies, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, 4-1 uh, and one in the last five. Um, most recently, the game... Um, Wednesday night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I'll just go over some highlights here, and maybe you can throw in some tidbits from the game that you saw that you liked. Um, but T.J. Warren was back at it again. Uh, he led all scores with 24 points. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis, 17 points and 13 rebounds. Uh, he did pick up like three or four fouls in like a minute's time frame, which was kind of crazy there. Um, and what Nate McMillan had decided to do towards the end of the game because the uh, the Thunder play pretty small, so having both Sabonis and Turner out there was kind of going to you know screw things up defensively. So I understood bringing, keeping Justin Holiday in the game there, um, and so Sabonis got in foul trouble, picked up his fifth foul. Miles Turner checks in the game, didn't play in the fourth quarter, and he hit a big three. Um, really wasn't that big of a factor last night, but he made a big three-point shot there. And also was a factor on the defensive end at uh, at the end of the game. So, um, Justin Holiday, big steal at the end of the game. Uh, Pacers, I think, were up by five there, but made a great defensive play. Uh, Doug McDermott uh, decided to be McDermott and not McAsshole. I think you had mentioned that in your blog. Uh, he, he finished the game with 14 points. Um, so, once again, he's on a tear on the road. Um, and then also a couple more points I had here. Jeremy Lamb. Uh, free throw line jumper is just complete money. You know it's going in every single time he takes that shot. And probably the most shot I'm most comfortable with in crunch time for the Pacers besides when Oladipo comes back and he's taking a shot. So that's probably my second uh, most reliable shot that I'd be comfortable with. And then my final point here, does Chris Paul suck? Uh, he does make $38 million a year. So those were my bullet points from the game. Go ahead. Maybe you got an answer for Chris Paul, but first start off with the Pacers. What were your thoughts maybe on some of those bullet points I had as well as the game itself? I don't think Chris Paul sucks. I wouldn't say that's the right word, but he's definitely way overpaid, getting paid for what Houston gave him and then got traded. So 
you know, OKC was just in an interesting spot where they got rid of two guys they paid a shit ton of money and they could take on Chris Paul and maybe mentor some of these young guys. So it's a good spot on the court. It's not really working out. And, uh, you know, they, they're competitive. They beat the Pelicans twice. They're, they're all right. We know what they are. You know, we're lucky we didn't lose this game. It, it was really close the whole time, wire to wire. And that's also, in the blog I mentioned, Batadze didn't get any playing time. And he's kind of sauntered out of the rotation a little bit. So what, what are your thoughts on why Batadze is not playing? Or I, I mentioned that I just thought it was a close game and we couldn't really afford – you know, the variance in this game right now. We, we could have lost it that way. So that's what I wrote. Yeah, I think uh, that comes down to, uh, and something we talked about earlier, I think they're trying to get more minutes uh, with Sabonis and Turner not playing together on the floor. So they have to play one of them with the second unit more. Right now that nod's gone to uh, Sabonis. He was checking out like at the six, seven or six-minute mark in the first so I get it. I think it makes sense. Um, I like seeing Sabonis running with that second unit. Um, Goga has played well when he's played this year. Um, he's also had games where he's been completely lost out there. Uh, but, I mean, that's kind of to be expected. He's only like 19 or 20 years old, and he's played uh, international basketball his entire life. So uh, he's got to get more acclimated to the NBA game. Um, but he, he's been serviceable when he plays. I, I feel comfortable throwing him in there. Uh, when the guys are in foul trouble. But I think probably for the foreseeable future, uh, you're only going to see him check into games if one of those guys gets into severe foul trouble in the first half. And second half, I don't see him being a factor at all uh, unless there is that foul trouble factor because he uh, he hasn't played in many second halves here recently. He's only been getting first half minutes, kind of like the TJ Leaf. Uh, TJ Leaf was getting those minutes beforehand. So, yeah, I, I think Goga's probably... Uh, not going to be playing much unless we have fouls and injuries from this point forward. Is that what you think? Yeah, that's what I'm assuming as well. You never know. Could see some more minutes, but I think his minutes are clipped for now. Yeah. Uh, another interesting stat I found, uh, Justin Holiday, who's played very well off the bench for the Pacers um, this season. He uh, continues to hit big shots and make big defensive plays like that steal last night, even though the game was kind of over by that point, but still he's made some great defensive plays. Um, he's averaging uh, 47% three-point percentage on the road, and he's shooting 50% from the field on the road, compared to he's shooting 32% from three at home, and then I believe like 40% from the field at home. So he's shooting much better on the road than he is at home by like a very significant margin. Um, I'm kind of comparing him to McDermott from last year. He was kind of doing the same thing. So yeah, but even holiday makes such an impact defensively that McDermott doesn't have. So even his bad games and he's had good games at home too. So even his bad games, he's still productive, I think. And just playing with his brother, I feel like it's got to be a thrill and He's really thriving, in my opinion. I know the stats say at home, but still, he's over 30% from three, so, you know, just got to let him keep shooting them. Yeah, I I, I think he, that even includes he was 2-11 and 11 in the Rockets game from three. That was definitely his worst game. He shot yeah, 11 yeah. threes um, and only made two of them, but still, I mean, the guy makes an impact. Probably, I won't say he wasn't a better signing than Malcolm Brogdon, but he's got to be number two, right? Sign. Well, I mean, McConnell's up there for what he does. And but Jeremy Lamb. I, Jeremy Lamb. Uh, 
the way we got Warren wasn't a signing necessarily, but you know, he just had another amazing game and always getting buckets when he seems to need them. And, you know, people focus on the pick and roll and stuff and he's getting a lot of open shots and he's hitting them all. So, yeah. So I'd probably go Brogdon lamb followed by holiday, but still that's impressive. Uh, they signed him kind of last minute there. So Anyways, Pacers win. Uh, they improved to 14-7 and seven on the season, so uh, a win is a win, and they've beaten the Thunder twice this year. They haven't really had good luck playing in Oklahoma City uh, while the Thunder have played there, so we'll take a win any way we can get it, and the Pacers uh, complete 180 from that game in Philly on Saturday night when they couldn't close in, the crunch, in crunch time. Um, they were able to do that last night. Did you watch... I know it was a Saturday night, but did you watch the ending of that Philadelphia game? Yeah, so I actually, Kate's my girlfriend. I asked her how, like, halftime of the game. And then we proceeded, you know, to watch the second half at this bar. So it was a very romantic night, uh, all things considered. The loss, I wasn't in a terrible mood after the loss, all things considered. We played hard. We know we can play with them. That's that's important. Obviously, we have Old Depot coming back, yada, 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 but... You know, it's a little concerning. We haven't beat a top-tier NBA team, in my opinion. I mean, we lost a few cupcakes, and then we've beat everybody else we should have beat. So it's a little concerning, but this is kind of what we thought we wanted to go around 500. And it looks like that's very capable. We could be, like, around 60 65% winning before Old Depot comes back. So I think we're blowing out expectations at the end of the day. But question I have for you is, was this – in hindsight now, is this Pacers offseason, where would you rank it among best offseasons? Um, so, I would probably say, and I'm and I'm on the spot here, that's why it's going to take me a minute to formulate the answer. No, yeah. no prep on this question. Domantis and Victor, that one obviously I think trumps it at the end of the day. Yeah, I was going to say that. That one trumps it. Uh, and did we get Bojan and Thad in the same offseason? That one's up there, but I could see this one, you know, even trumping that one. So, yeah, that offseason was Victor, uh, Bojan, and Collison, and DeMontis. They got Thad the year before. Yeah. The 2016 offseason was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, you know, probably 20... Uh, I think it was 2011. They got David West. That was a pretty good yeah, offseason. That's a good one. Um, anything before that, I mean, I'm not going to look back into the 90s, so I'm going to have some recency bias here, but I'll look in 2000s beyond. I would probably say this one is at least top three of the yeah. last 20 years. I mean, those teams that they put together where they had Artest and Jermaine O'Neal, I mean, the Artest trade was like mid, mid-season. Um, so, yeah, I would I would probably say that this is definitely top three. I'd have to take a deeper look into it. But like you said, that uh, 2017 offseason where we thought was going to be a bad offseason that ended up being a pretty damn good one, that's yeah. definitely probably number one when I'm thinking about it. And then I'd probably say – uh, the David West one was good, and then this one as well. So, uh, if if I had to think of it, top of my head, obviously I'm probably forgetting something. I'd say this is definitely top three, at least of the last twenty years. Yeah, for sure, without a doubt. So, um, anyways, uh, moving on. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but we got to talk about it. 
the uh, Miles Turner hate that's been fueling on social media. Um, I mean, he's gotten a lot of backlash from fans, and I'm not saying that the backlash isn't warranted. Sometimes I think it goes overboard, but um, he has struggled this season to start off the year. He makes $18 million a year. People saw the way he played his first couple years of the season and or excuse me, of his career, and they thought the potential was ridiculously awesome. And it's kind of seemed like he's plateaued, and maybe that's on account of the way that McMillan uses him in the system. But still, I mean, defensively, he can protect the rim and get blocks, but he still gets beat quite a bit. Um, and he has trouble defending um, uh, guys that are obviously way bigger than him, i.e. Steven Adams, uh, from yesterday, and then Embiid as well. So he struggles with that. But anyways, after the Philadelphia game, he finished with three points, three rebounds, and he completely deleted Twitter and Instagram accounts right away, I believe, just a few, several uh, hours after the game. So uh, I think this was probably in his best interest to do so. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy that probably goes on there and reads the tweets and what people are saying about him. Um so kind of just picturing him going to his Twitter and seeing this Jeremy W. Miller guy always in his mentions or saying his name. So what were your thoughts on the hiatus that he's taking? Maybe it'll be a week or two and then he comes back. But I think it's good for him to stay off of it and um, maybe it'll help with his play. Probably not, but um, I think it was probably a good move. Yeah, there's nothing good that can come from reading your Twitter mentions, especially if you're a pro athlete. You just, you got to let it slide. You got to ignore it. I know it's hard. I know people are human. You want to, you kind of want to know, you want to get that vein, you know, itch, itched. But I think it's better if you just stay off, focus on the game. It's hard to do. I mean, social media is a big part of our lives now, more than ever for most people. And these athletes, you know, they build a brand through it and, you know, maybe they sell ads, yada, yada, yada. It's a career after sports just for being a celebrity. And it's a weird lane that's opened up. And social media can be very, very toxic. We've all seen it. And, you know, just get off it, whatever. People are going to say what they're going to say. At the end of the day, if you confront these people, they're not going to say it to your face. They probably don't even mean it. They're just passionate fans that are pissed off. So, I don't know. I don't think he's gotten much better in these last three years. That's what I will say. I say he's always been a decent three-point shooter. He's always been a rim defender, and everything else is kind of just just pretty average, in my opinion. And he struggles against guys like Joel Embiid and Steven Adams. A lot of guys do. I mean, those guys are all-star caliber players, so I wouldn't say it's a huge knock against him to, you know, to have a bad game against Joel Embiid. But at the same time, he just all he's never rises up to the occasion. It's always like that. So you'd like to see it happen some, but we're all rooting for Miles at the end of the day. Yeah, and I think if even if you mention something or criticize his play, it, may, it doesn't mean that you hate him as a player or anything like that. Uh, like W for sure. I mean, he he goes overboard with the hate. Uh, that's that's definite. But like, I don't think I think you have the right to criticize the way a guy's played. Um, and I mean, if you don't think that I'm eating that he's, you can say he's not being used properly, yada, yada, yada. But if you, you, I mean, you just got to look and see the results that are out there. And that's just, 
it shows that he hasn't played up to par this season. And, you know, I think taking a break from the whole social media stuff, maybe it'll be good for him. Um, but I still think that, you know, I think he's still got a lot of potential, but I don't know. I'm kind of where we, where you're at, where I've seen, I've seen it kind of him plateau the last few years. Um, Mm -hmm. and I know he's trying to get better. He wants to be better. It's not like he's lazy or not trying. He's, he's not a guy that, you know, is, is sitting on his ass in the off season. He's actually out there going out there and trying to get better. So you want to see him. He's a nice guy. You want to see him, see the results, uh, on the court from him. So, yeah, it's good for him to take a break, get away from W for a little bit, and uh, you know he's had a couple good games since then, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, he's a guy that's been with this franchise for so long. He's been in a lot of big games, those games against the Cavs with LeBron, and then you know other playoff games, and kind of saw the transition after Paul George, and he's the one guy that's remained the same. So there's a lot of sentimental value, and I understand it for sure. Yeah, and I think the big thing, too, is you just can't compare him and Sabonis as apples to apples. Uh, you, they're, they're completely different players. Miles is, I mean, he, he gets seven or eight rebounds, which isn't terrible, but he's not going to rebound at the rate that Sabonis does. Sabonis isn't going to block shots or make threes at the same rate that Miles does. So I think a lot of people view him as that he should be this big enforcer like Sabonis is, and that's just not going to happen. That's not the way he's ever played basketball. So you can't expect him to be something that he's not. Yes, he's struggled this season, but also have level expectations uh, on this whole situation. So that's my whole two cents on that. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Victor Oladipo, Mad Ants, he practiced with them over the past week, um, along with Edmund Sumner, who just has been released that he will be available to play um, Friday night in Detroit. So that's big news, big news for you. Um, no chance for the Astat over the last month, but the Astat season is back. Anyways, more on Oladipo. We can talk about Sumner more in a second. Uh, he practiced with the Mad Ants, like I said. Um, and so he had this interview scheduled media availability. The Pacers don't ever really have him available for media interviews because there's not much to talk about. A lot of speculation. There could be something yesterday. Uh, from his media availability, nothing came out of it. Still says there's no timetable for his return. Even though we're at the beginning of December, I feel like he has a good idea of when he's going to come back. And he's probably not really rushing it because the Pacers have been playing so well. So do you think that he's lying about this and that he's just going to come out of nowhere and play one night? I hope. That would be awesome. But in honest honesty, I think it's going to be after All-Star break. How many games are after the All-Star break? Like 30? Oh, it's in like the beginning, middle of February. So you yeah, think it'll? You think it would be that long? You think it would be that long? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I would, I would put money on beginning or middle of January. I don't think it would be that long. I could see yeah. him maybe waiting if the Pacers were okay until then. But I, I would say, I would say probably January or middle of January. But. Now that you kind of say that, it kind of scares me. Well, I'm just thinking, like, the worst expectation is we have an Andrew Locke on our hands where he doesn't play all year somehow. That's the worst. The best situation is he comes, or let's say a step below the worst would be he comes back, like, what, right before the playoffs, week or two, gets in those games, and then we have him ready to go for the playoffs. And then maybe what we're hopeful for is by the end of December, January, which maybe – 
you know, he seems to be running. He's not going full speed. I saw that tweet said he was going about 50%. It is the mad ants. So, I mean, there's no reason. You just want to kind of get in a flowing thing. There's no reason to go 100%. So they're taking it smart with them. So no timetable. It's like, does do franchises usually release a timetable? Like, I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Because I could see it being as early as the end of December, if I had to guess, just as the latest, it would be after All-Star game. I don't think it's going to be any of those dramatic scenarios. Yeah, I uh, I mean, like, I could see him do, coming back this month. Um, I mean, he's he seems – he's doing all the practices. Like you said, 50%. Doesn't need to leave it all out there with the Mad Ants. I would say when he does come back, at least for several games, I would – and it's probably the plan is just to play him off the bench. And yeah. – um, yeah, so, I mean, at least maybe even 10 games or something like that. Just let him play off the bench. I mean, he if he's starting to feel better, he can finish games. But, you know, you can put him on a minutes restriction, have him come in uh, with that second unit and just run things that way. So I, I would probably think that's the expectation. I think that they have an idea in their head of when he will play. They're not just saying that there's there's no timetable. They have a timetable. We're getting close we're getting very close. I could understand if it was like, you know, the summer, but we're getting, we're getting very close and he's doing these practices and five on five workouts. So that's also a very good sign. Um, but I mean, if the Pacers keep winning, he could just keep delaying that. So until he's actually a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So that's probably the plan right now anyway, but I think February might be a stretch, but, uh, I think, like I said, probably, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of this month, but I'm more expecting sometime in January. So, yeah, and hopefully, because just seeing this team fully healthy is what I've been looking forward to like all season. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Sumner tweet came out. He's available tomorrow. I don't know if he's going to play. Seems to me like his spot's kind of not. I mean, he might get Aaron Holiday's minutes. Uh, Holiday struggled the last couple games, but he had some good games while Sumner was out. Sumner whatever. I mean, he's played in two or three games this season and Pacers Twitter loves him. Uh, but I do want to see him play just so he gets 15 points. So are, are you nervous that he's back? No, not yet. I mean, if he comes out tonight and gets or Friday night, I guess this will come out on Friday. If this comes out on, if he comes out Friday night and just gets 15 right away, there's nothing to be nervous about. I'm going to be at a Christmas party, so I'm not going to be that involved in this game, but you know, when I'm Saturday game or the next couple games against the Clippers, I'm, I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to get nervous. If I start seeing making competent plays and getting the actual minutes, that's when I'll be nervous. But right now, he's not scoring 15 this season. It's just not happening. And you're sticking by that, right? Yes. You will get an ass tat. What'd you say? I said you're sticking by that and you will get an ass tat. Well, yeah. I mean, I got no point. I got no choice now. I mean, I got lucky he missed a month, but that's kind of. I mean, that's not gonna, he's going to come back, so who knows? Well, all right, we'll see what happens. Anyways, upcoming schedule over the next week for the Pacers. Friday night at Detroit. Detroit is currently 8-14. and 14. Uh, They lead the season series against the Pacers 2-1. to one. Uh, This is the final matchup of the season uh, between these two teams, which is kind of odd. Their division, uh, playing the same division, play four times a year. Uh, Luke Kennard missed the game Wednesday. Uh, against, I can't remember actually who the Pistons played, but he missed Wednesday night's game. 
Um, so he's questionable um, for Friday. Probably is going to play, but there's a chance he might not. Blake Griffin is also back. He didn't play in any of those first three games. So what are you looking for in tomorrow's game against the Pistons, a team that the Pacers have heavily struggled with uh, this season? I wouldn't be surprised if this is one we lose. I mean, just with Griffin back and Drummond on the court at the same time, that's kind of presents some matchup nightmares that we've become accustomed to. So wouldn't be surprised. I think we're playing really well right now, though, so it's going to be a good game. I would expect the, the spread to be around what it was for Oklahoma City, one to two-point game either way. And I think we're going to win, but at the same time, I would not be surprised if we lost. Detroit seems to have our number. We need this game for the series matchup. It might not matter at the end of the day. They might be well below us, hopefully, but at Detroit, tough place to play after this road trip, but we'll see. Yeah, and Saturday night, they play in New York against the Knicks. Uh, This is their first matchup of the season. Um, I would say we probably need to have more matchups against the Knicks. That would be favorable. Knicks are currently 4-17, and have the second-worst record in the league. And assuming that they lose to Denver, uh, we're recording this on Thursday night, so assuming they lose to Denver, uh, they're going to be going into that game on an eight-game losing streak. Um, so the Knicks aren't good. Uh, Pacers should have no issues in that game. It is Saturday night in New York City. Maybe the Pacers go out Friday night and get sloshed. Who knows what happens, uh, but no excuses to lose that game. Um, next game I'll ask you about Monday night, big game against the Los Angeles Clippers. They're currently 16 and six. That'll change by then. Uh, also the first matchup for the Pacers this season against the Clippers, uh, the Paul George return game. Uh, currently he's one and one back in Bankers Life Fieldhouse, making his return lost on that epic Wesley Matthews, uh, uh, tip back shot last season. Uh, yeah. Suit. That was the suit guy game. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, and this is just my speculation, I think he's not going to play in this game, and that's because the Clippers play Sunday night, and he doesn't play in back-to-back, so they could obviously choose to sit him the Sunday game and then play him against the Pacers on Monday, but I think that he'll play in the Sunday game because the Clippers play in Toronto on Wednesday, and I think that's going to be a game that Kawhi wants to play in. Um, I think that you know, he owes it to the city of Toronto to play in that game. So I think that he plays Sunday. They give him two days of rest and he plays again on um, Wednesday against the Raptors. Or, yeah, against the Raptors. But that's completely my own speculation. Um, so what are you looking forward to in that Clippers game? Probably the biggest game this thus far the season for the Pacers. I know when, he, when Kawhi was at Banker's Life last year with the, the Raptors, he sat out one of those games. I think it was the game. Oladipo actually got injured, so we don't need any bad omens. Maybe he'll just play to keep the bad omens away. But the Clippers game's going to be tough. We know what they got. Lou Will, Montrezl Harrell's probably going to feast. I mean, Zubak, they got a lot of weapons. They're a championship caliber. George just kind of lit it up to start his comeback of the year. So, I don't know. Hopefully everyone boos, and hopefully we get the win at the end of the day. But it's a scary game. They're a good team. You know, getting them at home without Kawhi would be nice maybe get that win. That would be our first big win of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then Wednesday of next week, they play against Boston. So two big matchups next week at home. Uh, Clippers 
Monday, Celtics on Wednesday. Celtics are currently uh, the number two seed in the East. Pacers are a game and a half behind the Celtics. So that'll be a big game uh, next week for the Pacers. And I believe they also have the Lakers coming up as well at home. So a lot of big games for the Pacers at home over the next couple weeks. So, all right, that's going to wrap up that part of the show. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we get back, we have around the association. So we'll be right back right after this ad read. Attention past, present and future. My bookie players for this week only. MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congratulations. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. MyBookie will give you all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come play, so quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to sports bet but have lots of questions? Don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process, and the best part is if you join now, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code CHAIR. That's C-H-A-I-R, CHAIR. And mybookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's guaranteed deposit match and risk-free bet for this week only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. It is time for the Association presented by Born Ready to Pass Podcast. <laughs> all righty um we're back again around the association as you just heard in your headphones or over your car speakers um first things first um before we dive into around the association i want to kind of talk about uh the new newest members because this is kind of around the association talk newest members of our blog should i go ahead and introduce their names over the podcast as well um so we got four new members to the blog over the week end uh comics dude you all know and love him from pacers twitter um great guy um so check out some of his blogs uh we have Chris Poindexter, he also joined the team over the weekend. Uh, looking forward to seeing his blogs. He's already doing his own blog of himself, and he's going to be doing some blogs for us now. Uh, Joey Haas, as well, is joining the blog, um, and he's uh, also does a podcast. I can't remember the name of it, but he'll be on doing the blog and uh, doing some recaps, articles, things like that. And then also uh, Arthur Solari. I hope I said that right. It sounds right. Um we haven't actually spoken in person, but we've we've spoken over the DMs. And uh, Arthur did his first blog over uh, this week, and he did it for the um, 
the Pacers Thunder game, and he was two points off. He predicted the score to be 107 to 98, and the score was 107 to 100. So I'm thinking there's something in France, like he's got a secret bookie or something that's telling him this kind of feeding him this information because that was pretty spot on. I hope so. Do we know if he gambles? Uh, I, I talked to him about gambling a little bit. I want to get some more information, but he said like the lines and everything's a lot different uh, over in uh, France. So I got to get some more information on that. Anyways, anyways, all right, next topic. So make sure you have an eye out for that. I wanted to go ahead and say that now before I forgot at the end of the show. Um, but anyways, here's some more actual topics in the NBA. Uh, Tuesday night, the Rockets and the Spurs game ended in quite the controversy after the referees mistakenly did not count a James Harden dunk with eight minutes in regulation that would have given the Rockets a 104-89 to lead. Uh, the dunk by Harden uh, like went right through the net, went over, and went back in. It was kind of it was very strange. Anyways, the Rockets ended up losing the game to the Spurs by two points in overtime. The Rockets have since suggested to the league to either award them with the victory or replay the final eight minutes again of that game. Uh, legal league officials, I think, have laughed at that proposal since then. What do you think about that? Have you seen the play or what the NBA needs to do to figure out what to do here? Yeah, I saw the play. Really weird play. I mean, at the point of the game, they were up. I mean, they blew the lead. So I don't think you can retroactively go back and play the game. This isn't a fantasy world. Just take your L Rockets and move on. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. They're not going – and they're not going to award them the victory. I mean – I understand that kind of screwed it over, screwed him over. The game could have went a different way, but I mean, you you had a, a thirteen point lead and you lost it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just it doesn't make sense what they're suggesting. Yes, the NBA referees have to be better; they have to figure that out what to do there. Um, but it just doesn't make sense either of those options, and they should be ashamed of themselves. So. Yeah. All right, Wednesday night in a game against the Utah Jazz, LeBron James had a blatant travel, palming the ball and then proceeding to take three and a half steps. The officials appeared to be looking right at James, but did not call the travel, which led to former Pacer Bojan Bogdanovic's great reaction. Does LeBron do this type of shit on purpose just to see what he can get away with? I mean, yeah, the way you phrase that question, I got no other way but to say, but yes. I mean, he thinks he can just do whatever he wants out here, yada, yada, yada. You know, I've enjoyed not really talking about LeBron this year, even though they've been amazing and unbeatable. We know what they are. So, yeah. it was a weird call. And, you know, Bojan's face said it all. He was super pissed. And I, I think the guy just didn't looked away for a second and then looked back and he didn't even see it is what I would guess because – I don't know. You know every clip is online. You know everything is online with LeBron James. Not calling that. Just a weird call. Maybe they had the over. Maybe they had the spread. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the call didn't matter. The Jazz got whooped at home uh, by the Lakers. But, yeah, I've enjoyed, you know, I mean, in a season when they have both Davis and James, we haven't talked about them as much, which I enjoy. And they're winning. Um so, yeah, but I just thought that was very interesting, that travel. Um, three and a half steps. It kind of reminded me of the Russell Westbrook from several years ago off the inbound pass where he just walked like four steps and then dribbled. So, uh, There's been a lot of those plays. That Bledsoe just walking out of bounds this year. There's been a, I'd like to just put together a list of the weirdest plays that have happened this year. Yeah. 
anyways, moving on. Um, last topic before we get into our final, final topic, which is actually a game. So this is the actual last topic of around the association. The NBA's national TV ratings are down double digits compared to this time last season. NBA on TNT viewership is reportedly down 22%, while ESPN uh, NBA coverage is down 19%. People are saying the cause is due to injured stars, or what some people like to call load management. Uh, The Western Conference imbalance, so that meaning all the best teams play on the far west coast and all their games are uh, mostly starting at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, And then the forever excuse that is people are cutting the cord. Um, So is the NBA just making stupid excuses here? Or are we as the consumers just sick and tired of watching the same matchups and teams daily? Uh, I definitely can see the NBA season boring to some people at the beginning of the year. It's just because I'm a fan and I enjoy watching basketball that I, I kind of don't really care either way. But I definitely think there's something to the cord cutting. I mean, kids coming out of college has been happening every year. And these, I don't think they go to Dish Network. I mean, I just got Dish Network back and I can't even watch Pacers games through Dish Network. And League Pass is over $200. And I could see people not wanting to do that. So your core demographic is kind of being shut out in a way, you know, young kids and kids coming out of college that, you know, watch basketball and then maybe people still watch their local teams and they're saying it's because there's too much parody in the league. I I enjoy parody. I think it's more interesting, but I can see how, you know, the average fan wouldn't just tune in every night to just see the powerhouses play, but there's still powerhouses. I mean, LeBron's still, on the best team in the West, Giannis is amazing, and they're still powerhouses. So, I don't know. It's weird. That seems like 22% seems like a lot in just a year. Yeah, and, I mean, I think part of it is also because they put all these national TV matchups together in the offseason back in, like, July and August. So, like, you have the Pelicans who have a ridiculous amount of games, and if Zion's not playing in those games, no one's going to watch the Pelicans. Uh, or want to watch the Pelicans, and they've been on a lot. The Golden State Warriors got a lot of games, and their two best players aren't playing. Um, So no one's going to stay up late for a Golden State Warriors game when uh, Eric Pascal's playing. I'm sorry. Uh, No one's going to stay up late for that. So part of it is I think they need to introduce, like, flex scheduling or schedule the games. I don't know. They just need to have it more spread out. Like the Pacers, for example – um, not saying anybody nationally wants to watch them. I'm biased. I want to watch them. But, like, their first national televised game this season that isn't on NBA TV is on February 7th. So they have to wait until next year in February for them to be on national TV for anybody outside of the state of Indiana or who doesn't have League Pass to watch them. Yeah. So, like, you don't get to see good teams like that that aren't awarded, you know, games because they're outside and and they're not in a big market, but they're still a good team. So a lot of teams like that don't get a lot of games or forced with these Pelicans and Warriors games and things like that. So I think that's also led to it. And I mean, it, it's, it's December. Um, I understand they're comparing it from last year, but like football is kind of in its pr- peak right now. More people are concerned about that. And I think once February comes, people are turning their attention uh, towards the NBA. Maybe even after March Madness, actually, because that's when it starts. NBA true basketball doesn't start till playoff season. So, yeah, 
and the college basketball season has been amazing so far too. So that could definitely be some of it. I mean, there's not any powerhouses there any either, but there seems to be a big upset every night in college basketball. Purdue being the one last night, even though they were favorited, which you and I both are somehow Purdue fans, but still bet on Virginia and somehow lost, but won at the same time. A wild night in game. Yeah, that's one of those nights where I mean, you, you bet it and. If they lose, you win, and they win, you win. So, I mean, you, you take it either way. So They beat the shit out of Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't even close, um, and I feel like a complete idiot uh, betting yep. betting against them, yep. and, and I'll never do it again. So, all right, finish up this episode. First time we're doing this. Uh, it's a popular game on all those hot TV shows. You got uh, First Take. Uh, what are the, some of the other ones? The Skip Bayless, Undisputed, um, the new one with Greenberg on ESPN that no one watches. We're going to do early season contender or pretender, okay? So what, what I've done is I have a list of the top five or six teams in both conferences, um, and I'm going to just say their names, and you're going to tell me if they're a contender or a pretender. Some of these are very obvious that they are a contender, but we had to put them on here anyway. So starting off with the Eastern Conference, I'll go with the Milwaukee Bucks, 19-3, and currently on a 13-game win streak. I think we can both agree that they are contenders without a doubt. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, not much explanation there. Next up, the Boston Celtics, 15-5 and this season. Kimball Walker, they have Tatum, Jalen Brown's playing better. Are they a contender or a pretender in the Eastern Conference? I'm gonna say pretender just because they don't have they don't have the guy type of guy to stop Giannis or Embiid. I mean they they're using Daniel Tice as their big man who's decent defensively, and then Robert Williams obviously as well, and Grant Williams kind of guards big guys as well. So I just think they're too young at that spot, and other guys that have big guys in the playoffs. I don't even know if they'll be an Eastern Conference Finals team at the end of the day. They're going to win a lot of games because they got a lot of scoring and, you know, they have a good coach, play decent defense. So I think they're a pretender at the end of the day, honestly. I don't see it. Yeah, I would agree. I, th- I mean, I think that they're going to be better record-wise just because I think Kemba's a better fit there. Uh, not that he's better than Kyrie, but he's a better fit in that system under Brad Stevens and obviously gets along with everybody a lot better. So uh, I think they'll have a better record but I would say definitely a pretender in my eyes as well. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, Toronto Raptors, the defending NBA champions, 15-5, and five, kind of a surprise start for them, at least for people outside of Toronto. Uh, Siakam's playing well, um, and they have a lot of balance and depth on their roster. They don't have a, you know, I mean, Siakam's obviously a stud, and he's probably going to be an all-star, but uh, they don't have, you know, a Kawhi Leonard. So are they pretenders or contenders? I think they're pretenders for now. I think they're undefeated at home, so they use their home record you know, to their advantage. They might have lost one since I saw that stat last week, but really good record at home. And, but I think Hassan Mashuri or whatever that guy's name is, I think he will be looking to make a move at the deadline at some point. So I think they're pretenders right now, could possibly be a contender with a move at the deadline. Yeah. I would agree. I'd probably say pretender. I could see him being a second-round playoff team. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think they're going to be decent in the off se- or in the regular season. They're well coached, just like the Celtics. Uh, they have the title swagger, uh, if that's a thing. And um, Siakam's very good, so I think I think they're a good team. They're going to cause a lot of problems, but I would say they're a pretender. 
Next up, Philadelphia 76ers, current, currently 15-6 and six in the East. What say you? I got to say contender just because defensively Ben Simmons can guard anybody. Horford's an amazing defender, and he just seems to get big buckets. And, you know, Tobias Harris is he's a guy that they're going to lean on a lot in the playoffs if Embiid, you know, gets tired like he has in the past. But it's them or the Bucks is what everyone said from the start, and I haven't seen a lot, you know, to change my opinion. They've lost more games than the Bucks, but, you know, Simmons missed a couple games and Bede's missed a couple games. They're going to go through that. I still think at the end of the day they're a legit contender, and they're tough to beat in Philly, as we saw. We gave it our best effort. Yeah, undefeated at uh, home this season, um, and 15-6. and six, Like you said, they've had some guys miss games. Um, I definitely think they're a contender. Um, defensively, they're great. Uh, the only knock I have on them is their bench and their coach. I think they could get a better coach um, than Brett Brown, but that's just my opinion. Um, and also, yeah, like I said, the bench isn't very good, but their starting lineup is probably the best starting foot lineup uh, in the Eastern Conference without a doubt. So I will say contender with them as well, as much as it hurts me because I do not like them. So, yeah. All right, next up, Miami Heat currently 15-6. and six. What about the Heat? You know, they've played better than most people expected. But I think they're just relying on too many young guys. Harrow, Bam, you know, they got Robinson, who's played well in games, shooting the three out of nowhere. I didn't see ever being, you know, a competent NBA player. Duncan Robinson's put that to rest, in my opinion. Still young, but too many young pieces. And I think if you just take Scheme Butler out, I think they're beatable. And we haven't played them yet, so I don't really know 100%. But just from the games I've seen, the stuff I've seen, I think they just lean too much on young guys. I would say pretender. Yep, I would agree with that assessment as well. Very young. Uh, Bam uh, Adebayo has had a pretty good season. A lot of people are clamoring for him to be an all-star. They got Drogic off the bench, Justice Winslow. So they got a lot of good young pieces. I think they're another star away from being a decent contender in the East. Uh, So right now I would also consider them as a pretender. All right, final one here. Uh, The one that's going to maybe show our bias a little bit, the Pacers and the East. 100% contender. (laughs) 100% why? Just because of the way we've, you know, we got off that slow start and we've rebounded so well. You know, we lose a tough game against Philly who who we could have beat, and then we come back and we just win the next two games, you know, on the road. I think that's impressive. I think Justin Holiday is the piece I keep writing about that you need as a contender at 3 and D guy off the bench you know our bench has played in just big moments the bench is still young but you know i think at the end of the day if we get this all figured out with oladipo we can beat any of these teams i just said were pretenders so i would put us above them i think we could beat the heat in the playoff series with oladipo raptors and celtics i think we could beat in a playoff series so for that reason i'm going to put them as my third contender in the east definitely biased but that's what you're going to get here yeah, I would. I mean, I'm not going to say 100% certainty. Um, if Oladipo comes back and he's Oladipo, I mean, obviously that pushes them into contender status. If he comes back um, and is a shell of himself or it takes him a while to uh, get back to form until next year, I would probably lean towards pretender. It all hinges on him and his health uh, for the Pacers, but expecting that he comes back and he plays well, I would put them in contender status in the Eastern Conference. 
Um, but I mean, a lot of people will knock their easy schedule, but they're doing what they need to do. And a lot of people don't also account for the fact that they've played a lot of these games, uh, with players out hurt players the entire season. So they don't see that. They just see who they played in the box score. So, uh, they played without a lot of guys this season, 14 and seven for them is remarkable. All hinges on Oladipo. And if he comes back and plays well, I'll put him in contender status. So, yeah. All right, five teams in the West here, a couple of no-brainers here, and then the other last three are kind of iffy in my eyes, but we'll see what happens. Los Angeles Lakers, 19-3. and I'll just lump these two together, both Los Angeles teams. Los Angeles Lakers, 19-3, and and the Los Angeles Clippers, 16-6. and In my eyes, without really any explanation, they are both contenders for obvious reasons. Do you disagree? I think we can just say this first line, those two teams are legit contenders, and then I would say Nuggets – for sure as well, just because they play defense. And, you know, guys like Murray haven't really had a great season yet. And, you know, they paid him a lot of money, so they're expecting him to. And they just they kind of have the steadiest rotation, most chemistry, I would say. So I think those three teams are the only contenders in the West right now. Rockets, you can't miss 50 shots from your best two players and expect to win in the playoffs. And we've seen both those guys slow down in the playoffs, especially when defense ramps up. And, the Jazz just got embarrassed by the Lakers, and, I mean, we beat them pretty handily as well. So, as they might have the scoring of players, and they definitely have defensive players you, you'd see as well. It's just it's just not working for them for whatever reason. As far as being a contender, I would even put, you know, the Mavericks ahead of the Jazz on the contender list. Yep, and I meant to put them on the list here, So, and I forgot to completely. That was my fault. So, Mavericks. So, we got that. You have contender for – Three for uh, both LA teams and the Nuggets. I might have went pretender with the Nuggets just because I want them to prove something to me first. Uh, they they were in a seven game series last year with the Spurs, who were a seven seed, lost in the second round. Um, so they I just they got a lot of good pieces. Uh, their matchup nightmare, play good defense. It's difficult to play in Denver, um, and so I I mean I, I'm just gonna say. In the if they were in the East, I'd have them contender. In the West, I probably would lean more towards pretender. Rockets and Jazz as well, I lean pretender. Uh, Rockets, I would give more of a boost than the Jazz. They were a Western Conference pick of mine in the off season for some stupid reason. Um, but the Jazz have disappointed, I think. But they've had slow starts and got their stuff together. Mike Conley has kind of been, you know, a disappointing for them. Based on his stats and production, I've seen a lot of people from Jazz Twitter, uh, you know, criticizing his play. He makes a lot of money, and you know, thank God, you know, he's Mike Conley's been a great NBA player, but he's getting up there in age. Uh, we had discussed the Pacers trading for him. Thank God that didn't go through, and they ended up with Young Brogdon. That was just excellent. Um, anyways, that's my whole spiel on that. So Dallas Mavericks final team here, contender or pretender on the Mavericks. Uh, I would say they're ahead of the Jazz, maybe right behind the Rockets because they've had the experience. But, you know, Luca's just playing unreal and, you know, really surprising people. And I think Carlisle's done it before. And, you know, he's been an Indiana guy. And, you know, they had that perfect run where they beat LeBron. So I, I would say they're not quite a contender. And I hate to say three contenders in each division on our list, which is more than there's been in the past. So. Yeah, I I think uh, you know they're probably in one of those other camps where maybe they're 
another piece away, another good role player away. Um, I haven't watched many Mavs games this year, but it's obviously you'd have to be dumb or oblivious not to see what Luka's been doing. Porzingis obviously took the year off. He's getting back into the swing of things. Um, but I think, you know, not saying they got to get another star that's on par with those two, but if they get another decent player to add with those two in the starting lineup, I think then we can start pushing them towards that status. And also a deeper bench, I feel like um, they don't have much depth on their roster. Um, so I would also consider them probably a pretender as well. But yeah, that's fair. I, I like what they've done. So, And they're obviously trending in the upwards directions, especially in the West. Um, and they're looking to make the playoffs this year, which is obviously a big step for them because they haven't made it in a few seasons. So, Yeah, there's a lot of – I mean, all these teams are close. You have a bad week in either conference. You're moving like four or five playoff seeds down, I feel like. Yeah. Yep, so that'll finish that up, contender or pretender. Um, so um, just a few contenders from each conference there. Um, but that's going to wrap up this episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. That's all I got here and around the association. Uh, make sure you go to www.bornready2blog.com. The two is the number two. Um, we recently started that over the last few months. You've probably heard us plug it here on the podcast, but we blog and we preview and recap every single Pacers game, have random articles. We just started doing power rankings. We did week two of power rankings this week. Um, for the uh, whole NBA, all 30 teams, and uh, also pl- Pacers grades. Like I had mentioned earlier and around the association, we just hired on four new bloggers because Jake is incompetent and won't write any blogs for us. So we got some more help from some other Pacers fans who are going to be blogging, previewing games, recapping, and just writing random articles. I think you had told them that they could talk about taking baby aspirin to reduce heart attack failure. Really, we we do not care what you write about. Um, anything is possible on the keyboard, and we look forward to reading their blogs over the next few weeks. So make sure you go to check that out. www.bornready2blog.com So... That's going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. We will see you guys next week. See ya.